Bible, go to the book of Micah. The book of Micah. As we carry on with our minor prophets, we've come to a time now as the prophet Micah will speak. The kingdom has been divided. The nation of Israel is worshiping Baal. They're integrating that into the system of what you and I would have known or what we have been heard over the years as, as when uh, David and Solomon, they built the temple and God had a plan for them to worship there. And now they're saying, you know, we know that is true. We've been taught that over the generations. But we're just choosing to say to God, God, we don't want to worship you there now anymore. We'd rather worship you in the high places. And so you're going to have a prophet that is going to come and speak, and uh, he's going to share with the nation of Israel um, seven different things. Now, obviously, as you hear the word seven, don't worry, I will get you out on time. Um, and so, but I want you just to, to see this, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to use my uh, New American Standard um, Bible this morning, so it'll be maybe a little bit different than what you're reading. A couple words in my New American Standard Bible that I think that, uh, that just... Um, say some things to us that we don't really get out of our NIV Bible. And so uh, also these seven things, I've basically just went through um, uh, the outline uh, chapter by chapter from John MacArthur. That was the other reason I wanted to just stay with this Bible. So chapter one, you're going to get a chance to see the destruction of, in Israel and Ju- Judah. And as I go through these prophets, I realize that you know a lot of times there's destruction, there's despair, and And so hopefully you can see some of the other things that are woven in here. But as I've been looking at at chapter 1, I've been asking myself a question. Why is the nation going to be judged? What is really going on? And and I think at times, and I don't believe this, and I want to be very clear here, just because bad things happen doesn't mean it's sin. And that was one of the reasons that I chose my New American Standard Bible, because there's a word in my New American Standard Bible that I didn't find in my NIV Bible. And so as you hear the the voice of Micah, uh, you'll pick it up uh, in verse 2. Hear, O peoples, all of you, listen, O earth, all it contains, and let the Lord God be a witness against you. God is the witness. For behold, the Lord is coming forth from His place. He will come down and tread on the high places on the earth, the mountains will melt under him, and the valleys will split like wax before the fire, like water poured out, poured down a steep place. And this is for the rebellion of Jacob. That's the word I found in the New American Standard Bible. I didn't find in the NIDB Bible. I found sin against transgressions, and I think at times maybe we say, well, I've sinned, so now God's going to punish me. Are there consequences to sin? Absolutely. Is this judgment coming down because they just made a, a once-off mistake and said, you know, well, you know, I, I, did, I just mis- made a mistake there? No, this judgment is coming because of rebellion. This judgment is coming to them because they're going to make a choice to go contrary to what they know is true. Rebellion. They are basically going to go in the totally opposite direction from what God has planned for them. And so God is going to come and punish them. 
God is going to say to them, okay, that is fine. You can choose that. And, and the rebellion is very specific. And so let me show you that too. Uh, look at, uh, it says rebellion uh, for the, and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is rebellion of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? What is the high places of Judah? Is it not Jerusalem? High places of Judah is where the false worship took place. Where they, would cho- they chose to go to the place where they wanted to worship that was totally different from the temple, from the tabernacle, from where the glory of God shone and they know it was true and they saw the demonstration of God's power there. They said, you know what, God? We don't want to go there. We would rather go to the high places. We would rather go worship the other gods. We would rather go worship the idols. They really were most likely involved in the idols because of the, of the lust of the flesh. Just call a spade a spade. They were saying and seeing things in that culture and in that world that they said, you know what, I just really want to enjoy myself. So let's go and partake in those things. Because if you stand before a holy God and if they came to the tabernacle to, to worship there, there was some direction there. There were some rules there. There were some things that was going to be required of them. And so they got bored with that. And their heart grew away from the truth. And you're going to get a chance to see that. And their hearts would go so far to go to the high places. To worship Baal. To worship the God of fertility. To be involved in things they should not have been involved in. And they called it worship. They went and found those things that they could enjoy with their flesh and said, you know what, let's go worship there. I also want you to see in chapter 1, go over to verse 13 in chapter 1. Harness the chariots of the team of the horses of inhabitants of Lichim. See the beginning of the, to the daughter of Zion. Because in you were found the rebellious acts of Israel. Again, the word rebellion. Again, in reference to the worship of uh, false prophets. Take your Bible and go to 1 John with me. 1 John, in chapter 2, and verse 15. 1 John, chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, what is in the world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that it is the last hour. Obviously, I know that these people did not have 1 John. But you do. 
Obviously, as you're involved in the things, and I realize that we are talking to, uh, Mike is talking to the prophet, and really Mike is talking to the heart of the people and saying, your heart is rejecting your God. Your heart is bought into the lies of the world that you will satisfy yourself and there will be hope from the world. And really they should have been standing and singing some of the songs that we were singing today. They knew that He was mighty to save. They knew that He was the rock that they should stand on. They knew all those things. They had seen in even greater ways than you and I had. I'm just excited to watch God work and with Ike and Ed and different things like that. That's nothing like what the glory of God coming down in the tabernacle. Nothing like that. There was nothing like walking across uh, the Red Sea. Hey, let's go through here. Dry ground. Here come the Egyptians. Yep, they're going to wipe us out. No, let's walk on right through there. Nothing like that. See, they didn't guard their hearts. They didn't come back to the truth and say, no, wait, hold on a second. That might be an opportunity to worship. That might be an opportunity of the high places to enjoy the things of this world. But they should have been saying no to their heart. They should have been capturing those, those thoughts and holding them captive. They should have, if you think about Solomon and Song of Solomon, you should have been capturing those little foxes and saying, no, that's not worship. We've never seen that God demonstrate their power. We've never seen that little idol do anything amazing for us. But they didn't. And so, Mike, and I also want you to go on with me to chapter 2, and I want you to see the, 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 the process or the woe to the oppressors, as, as John MacArthur puts it in chapter 2. But I want you to pick it up in 2 and verse 1. Woe to those who scheme iniquity, who work out evil on their beds, when morning comes, they do it. For it is the power of their hands, they covet fields and they seize them, and the houses, and take them away. They rob man in his house, a man and his inheritance. Stop there. These people, quote-unquote Jews, who knew truth, would lay awake at night thinking, hey, how can I get this from them? And so greed had filled them. And it came so far that they were willing to do whatever they needed to do in order to grab that for themselves. That's how lost their heart was. That's how far gone their heart was from the truth. You can say, well, that can never happen to me. I would say to you, one step and it's a slow fade. See, this just didn't happen overnight. Greed just didn't happen overnight. It was weeks and months and years going past that saying, I need that. Going past that said, if I had that, then I would be happy. If I was there, I would have success. And then rationalizing in your mind, well, it's really mine. That's re- I mean, think, I mean, they would lay in bed at night scheming ways to take from other people. From the God that had given them hope, from the God that had given them peace, they're saying, you know what? Let's figure out ways we can take it from our friends. We deserve this. Their mindset went that far. They rationalized their sin so far that they would get to the point where they say, we deserve it, and then they would take it from others. It's interesting as you pick up in verse 11, go over to chapter 2 and verse 11. 
It says this, If a man walking with wind and falsehood hold to lies and said, I will speak out to the concern of wine and liquor, he would be a spokesman to his people. And I, I sat there and after I read this verse, I'm thinking, what in the world is this talking about? This is what I think will show you another demonstration of the heart of these people as they did not want the truth. Micah was saying there could be any person that could come and speak to you. And they wanted any person that was other than truth. Um, MacArthur puts it this way, the people accepted any prophet who would tailor his message to their greed, their wealth, and their prosperity. That's how far they went. That's how deep the rebellion was. They didn't want to know truth. They rejected whatever was truth, and they welcomed a prophet that would step into their world and say, hey, I'll talk to you about greed. I'll talk to you about wealth. I'll talk to you about prosperity. I'll tickle your ear. I'll give you whatever you want as long as you give to me. There was no hunger for truth. In the midst of all that, I want to... And, and what, ha- what will happen is, is in the midst of their greed, you find verse 11, and then you will see, and history will prove, that there was going to be a bigger force that was going to step in and knock them out. It was going to wipe them out. And it's just a good reminder that to, to us, you might think you're big and bad now, but there are always somebody bigger than you. There always is. There will always be a way for God to send something into your life to you to humble you so you will say, God, I still need you. God, I'm desperate. God, would you save me? God, I need rescue. In the midst of all of this, you find in, at the end of chapter 2, I put in my Bible the word hope. Uh, Micah chapter 2 and verse 11. The breaker goes up before them. They break out, passing through the gate, and go out by it. So the king goes on before them, and the Lord and their head. As I've been doing some study, it's been fun to think about chapter 11 as a a picture of the Messiah. Micah, around 700 years before Jesus' birth, you get this picture of the breaker. Who's going to be the breaker? Who's going to be the one that goes out through the gate and out by the gate? Who will be the king? Who will be the king? Jesus. And so as you go through Old Testament, Isaiah gives a wonderful picture of the Messiah. So does Micah. In the midst of of all that is going on in the society and all the judgments that's going to come and all the consequences of rebellion... Micah stops in verse 13 and says, hold on a second, I want to give you some hope. I want you to know that the breaker will be there. And that hope comes from the Messiah. Chapter 3, sin separates. And so as you go through and you look at chapter 3, you will get a chance to see that the heads and the rulers, chapter 3 and verse 1, Micah speaks to the heads of Jacob and the rulers of the house of of Israel. I'm speaking to you as leaders. And if you drop down in verse 4, it says, Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. Instead, he will hide his face from them. 
And what time? Because they have, not pra- they have practiced evil deeds. There's going to be some distance from these leaders, from the Lord. Why is there distance? Because of their sin. Because they practiced evil. Is, will God be available at any, at any call to cry out the worship and for forgiveness? Yes. But these leaders have allowed, if you go over um, in verse 9 through 12, uh, now hear this, heads, of, Is, heads of, the, of Jacob and the rulers of the house of Israel, who abhor justice, they don't want justice, and twist everything that is straight, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with violent injustice, her leaders pronounce judgment for a bride, her priests instruct for a price, circle that word, highlight that word, and her prophets divide for money. Yet they lean on the Lord saying, it's not the Lord in our midst, calamity will come upon us. Therefore on account of you, Zion will be plowed as a field, Jerusalem will be, become a heap of ruins, and the mountains of the temple will be, become like high places of the forest. So 9 through 12, if you want to put a word there, I put in my Bible, I put the word televangelist. And those leaders allowed it to happen. The leaders of Israel allowed somebody to come in and infiltrate what was true. And the leaders then said, you know what? Oh, well, it's not really that big of a deal. And then the priests and the prophets would say, you know what? We can make some money out of this. Her priests instruct for a price, and her prophets divide for the money. So they're making money all the way back here. 700 years before the Messiah came, there was televangelists. People walking around saying, oh yeah, you can be wealthy, you can prosper. Oh, it's all about you. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't all about them. It's about the Messiah. It was about the truth in a world even back then was filled with lies. And those people back then weren't willing to guard their heart. So I just ask a question. Are you guarding your heart? In a world that is filled with lies... Do you believe those lies? Do you hold the, the things of the world, this world to subjection to the word of God? And us as leaders, as you uh, carry on in, in, in chapter 4 of, of Micah, fascinating chapter 4, and I would, I would love to read all of it to you, but a wonderful picture of Jesus' millennial reign is here in, in Micah chapter all the junk that is going on, all the stuff that's happening, the rulers aren't, aren't leading, they're not correcting, they're not going and, and identifying sin and say, hey, no, we're going, you, we can't live this way. The leaders should have put up on the high places, tearing down the, the worship centers of the false gods, saying, no, that we're not going to allow our, our people to get involved in those things. And then in Micah chapter 4, you read this in verse 1, and it will become of the last days that the mountains of the house of the Lord will establish as chief of the mountains. It will be raised upon the hills and the people will stream on it. Many nations will come and say, come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. Drop down in verse 5. Though all the people walk each in the name of his God, all of us will walk in the name of the God forever and ever. In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather the outcasts, even those whom I have afflicted. And you can keep on reading. 
there and just know that peace only comes through the Messiah. And this world is going to be totally different when Jesus comes to rule and reign. There will be no false prophets. There will be no televangelists. He will be in charge. He will rule. And as I've, as I've thought my way through the book of Micah and thinking about you, most of you probably, when you think of Micah, think about one of two things. And this is probably the one of those two things. Most of you know that the book of Micah uh, predicts that Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Go to Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephraim, too little to be among the clans of Judah, for you one will go forth for me to be the ruler in Israel. His going forth and all long ago from the days of eternity. Therefore he will give them up until the time when she whose labor has borne a child, the remainder of the brethren will return as the sons of Israel. And if you keep on going, you'll see in verse 4, it's, that has, that's still to come. They will rise, a shepherd, his flock, the strength of the Lord, and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and will remain because of his time. He will be great to the ends of the earth. This one will, will be our peace, and then you can keep on reading. But as you think about Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and it depends on who you read when they think Micah was written, some 740, some 738. That's just, you know, you know, you can go either way on those things. Let's just say 700 years before our Messiah was born was predicted by the prophet Micah. In a time when spiritual hunger for God was really, really low. In a time where corruption ran rampant. And so in the midst of all of this, all the junk that's going on, all these people that are following Baal and fulfilling the desires of their flesh and running after the things of the world, Micah steps in. And I don't know how many people were, were saying, no, we're, we're gathering at a worship service to worship the Messiah, to worship their God. I don't know how many were there, but can you imagine the excitement of hope that Mike, when Micah spoke chapter 5 and verse 2 and says, hey, i got some more hope for you. Out of Bethlehem, of this little town, come the Messiah. Isn't it fascinating when God does things in small places? God does things in places that you wouldn't have picked. And in God's grace, God could have seen fit in his, in his anger. He had the right. The people were living in rebellion if he chose to. He could have wiped them out, but he didn't. He showed them grace. And God was saying through this prophet, no matter what goes on around us, I want you to know that the Messiah will come through Bethlehem. And as you finish up in chapter 5, you read 10 through 15, you see that um, victory only comes to nations when they surrender to God. Victory will only come to you, when you, until, you until you surrender to God. Until you say, I give up. Until you say, I need help. Until you honor Him. And I'm not saying everything is going to be perfect, and I'm not saying everything is going to be fair, but as you think through the book of Micah, it really begins with the Lord, and it ends with the Lord. And he will take out, verse 12, you see, he'll take out the sorcerers, he'll take out the fortune tellers, he'll take out all the carved images. 
He'll, he'll execute vengeance. He'll do all those things. Chapter 6. This to me is where it gets exciting. This is to me where it really got my attention as I started to think about uh, us as a family. I started thinking about um, the Word of God. And in Micah chapter 6, most of you, this is the other thing that I think most of you, if you've, if you've had anything to do with the book of Micah or heard it over the years, you have basically would go to Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So if, if we as a church in America have anything to do with Micah, it's probably been Micah chapter 5, and it's probably been Micah chapter 6. So now you've got a little, a little bit, a very brief um, picture as you kind of put this all together. The prophets speak into a very wicked generation. A group of people that knew truth. They knew the Old Testament. See, they knew what they really should have been involved in is in Deuteronomy chapter 10, 12 through 19. That's what they should have been involved in. And so now as he steps in, and, and what you probably haven't heard is, as you read through uh, Micah chapter 6, 1 through 7, is now the Lord's going to talk. And the Lord is going to go back to this, these group of people and say, hey, look what I've done for you. And he's going to remind them of the miraculous miracles of his power demonstrated to them. Things that they couldn't have done. They, they didn't have the power to do. And he gives them a list of things just to remind them. Say, hey, wake up. Here's what I've done for you. And then he says to them, after he says to them, wake up, or, or does his, his comment through Micah, God talks. Look what I've done for you. Then he says to them, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. The words God spoke to do justice. Really, God? You picked that? Yeah, because you're not living just. You're not living by truth. You're living for yourself. And because I have done all of this, I want you to come to me humbly and say, I give up. Okay, God, I'm going to live by this. God, I'm going to commit to justice. God, I'm going to commit to kindness. God, I'm going to commit my ways to kindness. I'm going to commit my, my heart to kindness. I'm going to commit, maybe your Bible says, mercy to act justly, to deal fairly with others, to love mercy, to love kindness, carry through their commitments to each other. Carry those things out. To walk with God. What does that look like? The fellowship with God. To humbly translate your life to Him. To surrender to His demands. Many people in Micah's day were not just or showing loyal love to those who are supposed to be committed or walking humbly in fellowship. They weren't doing those things. I guess you could sum up those three things this way. MacArthur puts it this way. A spiritual commitment of the heart 
from the right behavior would ensue. So that their heart, what they knew was true, no matter what their friends were doing or no matter what was good for their flesh or for them to indulge, to please themselves, God came to them and said, the Lord spoke to them and said, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what He required of them. And this, there's one, one last thing that I want to share with you out of Micah, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up. It's Micah chapter 7. And the prophet acknowledges. And I, w- I want you to see something in Micah chapter 7 and verse 7. Now this is Micah speaking. And I don't know, you know, if, if can you imagine being a prophet at that time and seeing the, the high places and watching your friends go there and, and, and bow down and be involved in immorality and be involved in the things that weren't true and worship those idols? What am I? How discouraging that would have been for you or for me. And so Micah says something to us today. But as for me, but as for Micah, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And so when he had the, the, the right or the opportunity or whatever you want to say, to be discouraged, Micah leaves us some words, and I, I kind of put it this way, stay calm in the storm makes a difference. Isn't that true? Staying calm in what, in what goes on around us, and, not, and then for us to come back to this passion and say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to expectantly wait for you. Lord, I'm going to watch for you. Lord, I know, I know my buddies, and, and they went to the high places and I know what they're involved in up there. But God, I'm going to wait on you because God, I know you can do something. God, I know you can get their attention. God, I know you can set them free from whatever was going on. God, I know your might is saved. God, I remember the, 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 the truth of the past. And I've seen it take place. And so God, no matter how bad it gets for me as the prophet, God, I will acknowledge you. God, I will cling to you. And so this morning, maybe you can kind of look at it at your end of the road. So we've come to the end of the road of Micah. What does it mean for us? Well, let me share a couple things. Rebellion will cost you. Notice I didn't say sin. I say to you this morning, rebellion. Things that you know are true, the word of the Lord, and you say, you know what, Lord? I don't want those things. Lord, I'm not going to follow those things. Lord, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to do whatever. I just, I just want to enjoy myself. God, this is what society says. And it's, it's acceptable in our society. So God, I'm sure it's right. Well, come back to your Bible and ask if it's right. Society might say that something is right, but what does the word of God call right? Not what my friends, not what's beneficial for me. Had lunch uh, yesterday and doing some premarital counseling. And, and it's always, I love, you know, they're goo-goo-eyed at each other. And, you know, they're holding their, or he's got his arm around her, you know. And, and so I just said to him, you, you know, what do you think about the Bible? You think it's the absolute authority? Well, you know, yeah, 
kind of, you know, him haul. Like, okay. What does love look like? Well, they said 1 Corinthians 13. Okay. Let's talk in five years. See if you're still loving your wife according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 or what your buddies say. Let's wait 20 years. And let's come back to it in 20 years and say, and say, are you still loving your wife according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Because we all know, we all have Bibles. But we surrender to its authority. Next one, as you think about application, I just want to remind you that you serve a God that is holy. I also want to remind you, don't allow the influence of the world to shape your choices in the things that you act out in your life. Don't justify your sin because somebody else does. Keep your heart close to the one who can help you in any situation. Strengthen the family unit. unit. Guard your family. The Lord has spoken some us, and, to, and I'll just give you some verses. Matthew chapter, um, we'll take your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 22. Here's just a neat, just a little way you can say, well, the Lord has spoken. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. And he said, and Jesus said, you shall... Love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the foremost commandment. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depends the whole law and the prophets. Those are his words to you. The the Lord has spoken. He's spoken things very clearly to you. So because he has spoken those to you, I'll give you a couple other verses just to think your way through. Okay, Because I've heard the word of the Lord... I'm reminded of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Be confident in this very thing that he who began a good work in you and be faithful to complete it. I want to remind you of Philippians chapter 2, where he humbled himself for you. So that when he spoke to you, he would give you the strength to do that, but it was going to cost you something. You would have to humble yourself. Philippians chapter 3, you can look through there and say, press on towards the goal, forgetting the past, moving forward. Philippians chapter 4, you can do all things to Christ who gives you strength. You sang this morning, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is what? How many of us are sinking? How many of us are standing on the rock? He's my Savior. He's the only one that can move the mountains. Every time we sing that song, I think of Jordan. I used to love to listen to Jordan sing that song. Is it true? Yeah, it is. You got any mountains to move? Then why in the world are you standing on sinking sand when you want to move a mountain? Why don't you stand on the rock? I want you to join me in, in prayer this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. 
And I thank you that you've spoken, and you spoke clearly through the prophet of Micah. And because of their Israel and Judah's rebellion, because of their rebellion, you humbled them. You knocked down the high places. You rocked their world. Because of their greed, because the leaders allowed uh, snake oil prophets, prosperity, salvation, corruption, they suffered. But in the middle of all that, you still provided hope. Through Micah, you said in chapter 5, verse 2, that the Messiah will come through Bethlehem. In chapter 7, you gave us a prophet that could have been discouraged, that could have given up, but you gave him words for us today that he would cling to you no matter what was going on around him. So, Father, may that be us this morning. May we choose the rock and not the sinking sand. May we choose the word of God and not the lies of this world. May we choose truth instead of the things of this world. I know you all have mountains. I know you're all tempted to false gods. Maybe you're here this morning and say, you know what, Pastor Todd, I've, I've, been, I've been sinking. I don't want to sink anymore. I want to stand on the rock. It only takes you to ask. And he'll place you on the rock. It only takes you. And you're the only one that can humble yourself. You're the only one that can ask help for you. You're the only one that can say, Dad, I surrender. Whatever the Holy Spirit's saying in your heart, whatever he's encouraging you to do, Whatever he's speaking to you, that still small voice, whatever he says, obey him. So, Father, I ask that you would make us obedient sons and daughters in this room. I ask that when we hear that still small voice, that we would say, yes, sir. That we would surrender. That we would ask for help. That we would stand on the rock that we would stand on the cross, that we would stand in the strength of Jesus because Jesus saved us, because Jesus rescued us from the pit of hell and gave us new life. So thank you, Father, for allowing us to meet in a building. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, so that we could have hope today. We love you, Father. In your name I pray. Amen.